your Bibles this morning, please, if you don't mind. We're going to go to the book of Judges today, the Old Testament book of Judges this morning. And the Lord good to us today? Amen. Well, three of you believe that. And the Lord good to us today? Judges chapter 8 this morning, please. I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you don't mind one more time. Your Bibles or your electronic devices, whatever you have today that you have the scripture on. I'm going to pick up here in this Old Testament passage right in the, the middle coming into the, the tail end of a story. And I'll go back in just a few moments and give you a brief overview of what this story is about. But I want to read this one passage of Scripture today. I'm reading from the New King James Version, Judges chapter 8, verse number 4. The Bible says, When Gideon came to the Jordan, he and the 300 men who were with him crossed over. Now watch this next line. Exhausted, but still in pursuit. When Gideon and the 300 men came to the Jordan and crossed over, they were exhausted, but still in pursuit. One version reads like this. They were worn out, but still going. Now I want to take a few moments today and I want to preach on this thought, worn out, but still going. Father, add your blessing to the reading of your word today. Give us revelation knowledge this morning to receive the word of God and may hearts and lives today be changed by the power of the preached word of God and we bless you in Jesus' name. The church said amen. God bless you. You can be seated today. Thank you for standing. Thank you, Pastor Tony. It will be remembered as one of the most confounding missing person cases. In August of 1930, 45-year-old Joseph Cratter waved goodbye to friends after an evening meal in a New York restaurant. Flagged down a taxi and rode off. He was never seen or heard from again. Fifty years of research has offered countless theories but no conclusions. Since Cratter was a successful New York Supreme Court judge, many have suspected murder. But a solid lead has never been found. Other options have been presented, kidnapping, mafia involvement, even suicide. A search of his apartment revealed one clue. It was a note that was attached to a check, and both were left for his wife. The check was for a sizable amount. And the note simply read, I am very weary, love, Joe. The note could have been nothing more than a, than a thought at the end of a hard day. Or it could have meant a great deal more, the epitaph of a despairing man. Weariness is tough, the writer said. I don't mean the physical weariness that comes from mowing the lawn or the mental weariness that follows a hard day of decisions and thinking. No, the weariness that attacked Judge Cratter is much worse. It's the weariness that comes just before you give up. 
that feeling of honest desperation. It's the dispirited father. It's the abandoned child or the retiree with time on his hands. It's that stage in life when motivation disappears. The children grow up. A job is lost. A wife dies. The result is weariness. Deep, lonely, frustrated weariness. Weariness is heard and seen in a suicide note that a young father in Florida pinned just before he jumped off of a bridge and left it to his family. And he said, I stand at the brink of eternity at last. As reckless of the future as I've been of the past, void of ambition and dead of every hope, the toils of life are ending. I'm letting go of the rope. Weariness is an epidemic that has plagued our society for centuries. Not physical weariness, mind you, but spiritual and mental and emotional weariness that in turn leads to physical fatigue and weariness. This little text, this little passage of Scripture that I just read to you from Judges 8 and 4 reveals to us some very weary people when it says they were exhausted but still in pursuit. The message translation of that same passage of Scripture says that they were bone tired but pressing in the pursuit. The New Living Translation says though they were exhausted, they continued to chase the enemy. The Living Bible says they were very tired but still chasing the enemy. You, you get the picture, don't you? They were worn out, but they were still going. Beyond tired and beyond fatigue, but still pressing on to do what they knew that they had to do. That little passage of Scripture is powerful. When you look at the, the background surrounding it, I don't have time to go into all the details of it, but Gideon was a, a man, the least of his household, the least of his tribe that God had raised up to deliver the Israelites from the oppression by a group of people called the Midianites. See, Israel, they, they were a Jekyll and Hyde. One minute they're serving God and one minute they're on fire for God and the next minute they're turning their backs on God and they're worshiping idols. And every time that they would disobey God or they would transgress the law, God would raise up oppressors to go in and to punish them and to get their attention. And every time that would happen, Israel would cry out to God for mercy and cry out to God for grace. And God in His mercy and God in His grace would always raise up someone to go in and to point them back in the right direction and to, and to deliver them from the hands of their oppressors. And this time it's a man by the name of Gideon. And Gideon starts out with 32 thousand men in his army and God says Gideon that's way too many men if you take 32,000 men into this battle I'll never get the credit for it so we're going to reduce your army and over uh, the process of a, of a couple of events that happened Gideon's 32,000 man army is reduced to 300 men I mean, could you imagine pastoring a church of 30 I can't pastoring a church of 32,000 people and you show up one day at a state meeting, Pastor Jeremy, and you've lost 10,000 people. You're down to 22,000. That's still pretty good. 
But then things happen and you're down to 10,000 people. And then something else happens and you lose 9,700 more people and you're down to 300 people. Listen, they would not be calling on me to teach any kind of church growth principles. That's for sure. If anything, they would, they would have a class for how to kill a church and live to tell about it. And Gideon goes from 32,000 men to 300 men. But God, because he wants the credit for it, and because God, because he wants the glory for it, and no man and no flesh will ever glory in his presence, he takes Gideon and 300 men, and he's going to rout the Midianites. He's going to defeat that army that had come to oppress Israel. And when we come to Judges 8 and 4, Gideon has some unfinished business to take care of as it involves this battle so that they can win complete and total victory. And that's the point I want you to see this morning. Gideon and his men were involved in a battle. And sometimes life feels like a battle. Sometimes this Christian walk that we are walking out, it feels oftentimes like we are right in the middle of a battle. Paul reminds us in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 11 or verse number 12 that we are engaged in a spiritual battle with unseen forces. He reminds his young protege Timothy in 2 Timothy 2 and 3 to endure a hardship as a good, watch this, a good soldier of Jesus Christ. When I think of a soldier, I think of a battle. And I want you to understand with me this morning, I want you to realize that there are moments and there are seasons and there are times in our lives when we become battle weary. We become exhausted. We become Tired. Weariness can be seen in the face of a stay-at-home mom who every single day of her life invests her life and moments and time into her children. Weariness can be seen in the face of the CEO who works 60 to 70 hours a week and still carries the weight of being a husband and a father and a provider for his family. Weariness can be seen in the face of adult children, of older parents as they try to care for their aging mother and father. Weariness can be seen in the face of a widow lady who possibly for the first time in 50 years is trying to learn how to live life by herself, without her spouse. Weariness can be seen in the face of neglected and abused children. Weariness can be seen in the face of a young married or a middle-aged or an older married couple that's doing everything in their power to keep their marriage afloat. Weariness is not discriminatory in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Weariness attacks everyone. Weariness attacks anybody. Listen, weariness doesn't care where you're from. Weariness is not concerned with who you know or what you do. Weariness doesn't care about your 
bank account. Your social status is not important when it comes to weariness. Your spiritual standing is inconsequential when it comes to weariness. Weariness will happen. It will attack people. It will attack young people. And it will come at any time of the day or the night. Now here's what you need to understand. There is nothing wrong with weariness. Fatigue and weariness comes and there's nothing wrong with being in a place and in a season of weariness. But here's what I must caution you about. You can't stay in a state of weariness. There's a story, an Old Testament story recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 30. As David and his men are coming back from battle. I don't have time to unpeel all of the layers and unpack all of that story. But understand this. David and his men are coming back from a battle. And when they show back up at their homeland, which at this time is a place called Ziklag. As they crest the hill and look down into the camp, they see smoke that's billowing up. And upon closer inspection and upon closer study, they find out that their entire home has been pillaged. They discover that everything they have has been taken. Their wives have been kidnapped. Their children have been kidnapped. Everything they have is gone. The Bible says that they lift up their voice and they weep until they have no more power to weep. And then they kind of pull themselves together. The Old Testament story shows us. And they begin to pursue and to go after the enemy that had come to destroy and to take everything that they own. And the Bible tells us in the latter part of 1 Samuel chapter 30 that David at that time had 600 mighty men who fought with him and who were his warriors. And they get to the brook, this, this passageway, this transitional place to go from here to there to get their stuff. And it says that David and the 600 men came to the brook, but 200 stayed behind because they were too weary, the Bible says, to cross. So David takes 400 men. He crosses the brook. And the other 200 stay behind because the battle has worn them out. And again, there's nothing wrong with being weary. But if you're not careful, listen, weariness will destroy the purpose of your life. I take you back again to David. In 2 Samuel chapter 11, you know the story well. Some of you probably do. The Bible says that it was at a time... In the spring of the year, watch this, when kings normally go out to battle. You see that word there again, battle. But on this particular occasion, David didn't go out to battle. And as I read 2 Samuel 11, it dawns on me that David was tired. Because the Bible says that one evening, after a midday nap, you know why we take naps, don't you? Because we're tired. It said that David woke up from sleep. Now do you, do you see the two common denominators there? You've got battle and you've got sleep. And you take a battle weary man. And what is he going to do? He's going to sleep. And when David got up from that nap. Should have been out at battle. But I'm convinced he was tired. He opens up the door to his balcony. And he walks out. 
kind of stretches great big, rubs the sleep out of his eyes. I'm not sure what he was anticipating on seeing, but as he looks across the courtyard, there is a beautiful lady named Bathsheba on the top of her roof taking a bath. The Bible said that when David saw that, all of a sudden something began to stir in this tired, battle-weary man. And he inquired about her and he sent for her. And she came into his house and he had a sexual relationship with her. And he compromised morals and he compromised values. And for the rest of his life, he would pay dearly and he would pay greatly for that sin. But why did it happen, Pastor? Because David was weary and David was tired. And as a result of his weariness, his purpose was destroyed. I'm convinced that Yes, he was a man after God's own heart. And yes, he did some amazing things. But I believe that there was so much more that David could have done if he had not made that terrible mistake that morning or that afternoon. And here's the truth. If you don't address your weariness and if you don't address your fatigue, if you are not careful, a tired man or a tired woman will make a terrible mistake and it will haunt you for the rest of your life. If I had time, I'd talk to you about a man named Samson. See, weariness will destroy the most powerful of men, anointed by God, had a, had a touch of God upon his life so strong he could pick up the gates in the middle of the night, Brother Turpin, and carry them out. So strong he could take the jawbone of a donkey and kill a thousand men. So strong he could take the tails of 300 foxes and tie them together, set them on fire, and burn up the fields of the enemy. So strong. He could be positioned between two pillars at the end of his life as he's been grinding in a mill in prison. His eyes have been cowed. Now see, fatigue will take your vision if you're not careful and positioned between those two pillars with one mighty push. He could literally bring an entire house down. But Samson was a tired man failed relationships made him tired. These expectations that mom and dad and his countrymen had for him made him tired. And you read in Judges 16 a very tragic story of a lady named Delilah. Samson had trouble with women. He could never find the right one to fill the void in his life. And the Bible said that Delilah lulled him to sleep on her lap. And finally after she had pressed him and the, new, and the King James says after she had vexed him. She finally found out the secret to this man's great strength. How he could do such exploits and how he could carry out such great feats of strength. It lied in the Nazarite vow that he had taken that he would never ever bring scissors to his head and cut his hair. That he would never ever drink strong drink. That he would never ever come into contact with a dead carcass or a corpse with a secret lie in his hair. And when she had finally lulled him to sleep on her lap. She took out a pair of scissors. She cut his hair and she said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And the Bible said that Samson just woke up and thought, I will shake myself as at other times and I'll take care of the enemy like I have so many other times before. But Judges 16 records some of the saddest words in all of Scripture. For the turpin, it said, Samson knew not that the Spirit of the Lord had had 
departed from him. The anointing had left him. The power had left him. The effectiveness had left him. Why? Because Samson never addressed his fatigue. Samson never dealt with his weariness. And I'm here on assignment, I believe, today from the Holy Spirit to talk to my church people and tell you today that if you are tired and you are weary and you are worn out, you can't just ignore it. You can't turn your back on it. You can't turn a blind eye to it. I'm telling you the breath of God and the power of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit is here today. He wants to touch you. He wants to empower you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to infuse your life and your spirit with hope again. I know it's been a long, hard road. I know it doesn't make sense, but my God, whatever you do, don't throw the towel in. Don't quit. Don't lay over by the brook. Don't put your head in the wrong lap. Don't walk down the wrong road, but cry out to God and ask God that when you are weak, would he help make you strong today? Oh, come on and praise the Lord this morning. Paul reminds us in Galatians that weariness is a process. Man, it's hot up here. Thank you, sir. And Eric, that's not your fault. These lights are burning me up because I'm working hard up here. Paul reminds us that weariness is a process. You don't just wake up one morning and find yourself exhausted. I don't mean physical, tired. Listen, when I woke up this morning, the alarm went off about 7 o'clock. Physically, I was tired. Hey, you know whose fault that was? It wasn't my wife's. She didn't snore and keep me up. It wasn't my kids. It was my own choice. Because I stayed up late to watch a ball game. And then after you watch the ball game, you got to watch post-game. And after you watch post-game, you got to talk to your 14-year-old and analyze why everything happened that happened. Now, it might have been my 14-year-old's fault because at 1230, I get this text message. And I'm worried it's one of you. And it's my 14-year-old across the other side of the house. And he's texting me this image that's really funny. He gets these things off ESPN, and he sends them to me late at night, and I'm still awake. I was dozing at the moment, though. And he sends the image, and he posts, LOL. And I get up, and I walk to his room. I said, what are you doing? I said, it's 1230, and here's what's going to happen. Your mom's going to come in here to get you up in the morning because we got to be there at 930. And then I'm going to get fussed at because you won't get out of bed. Go to sleep, please. So why am I tired? Why was I tired at 7 o'clock? That was my fault. But I'm not talking about physical weariness. I'm talking about mental fatigue. I'm talking about emotional fatigue. And Paul says this, let us not grow weary. Let us not grow. Everybody say grow. Growth is a process, isn't it? You don't just wake up one morning and go, I'm physically, or I'm mentally zapped, I'm done, I can't take it anymore. That doesn't just happen overnight. It's a process of events. It's things that go on throughout the course of your life that wear you down mentally and emotionally. But Paul gives us a promise. That although fatigue and 
Weariness is a process. There's a promise attached to it. Let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we faint. Everybody say faint. That word faint there means to break down or to melt. Has anybody ever had a two-year-old in your house? Do you know what it means to see them have a meltdown? Where they kick and they scream, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? And they, I mean like literally they, they fall to the ground in this slow motion of just of melting. Sometimes it's not a two-year-old. It could be an eight- or a nine-year-old. Sometimes it could be a 39-year-old maybe. I don't know. And they begin to melt. And while they're melting, they're screaming. And they're crying. I know Sophia doesn't melt. And they're kicking. And the world has come to an end in their mind. They're having a meltdown. I am raising a daughter. She's 11. She used to melt on a regular basis. He says, I preached about Jensen. It's my turn to preach about you. He's back in the sound booth. And I'll, listen, when we, today we get in the car, they'll say, Dad, do you always have to do that? And I say, yes, I do. You're the best preaching material that I have. <laughs> I remember some early days. I mean, at two and three, because her outfit wasn't right. Honest. And I'd say to my wife, if it's like this at two or three, what is it going to be like at 12 or 13? I quit. And she would melt. And sometimes, you know what the scripture says, fathers provoke not your children to wrath. It doesn't say mothers, does it? And she would melt. I would just dig the needle in and I would laugh and I would say things and it made the melting worse. And then Kelly would fuss at me while she's fussing at her. And there's chaos in the gore house everywhere at that moment. And partly it's my fault because I'm getting a big kick out of her melting. And while she has grown quite a bit and the meltdowns have, they've pretty much, knock on wood, have almost ceased. Paul tells us if we'll not lose heart and there will be a due season. I don't even, if you read that, Paul's not saying don't get tired. He's just saying don't let your fatigue and your weariness have the effect that it breaks you down and it causes you to melt because if you will just hold on there is another season that is coming. There is a touch of God that is coming. There is a breakthrough that is coming. You will be able to hope again. You will be able to catch your breath and breathe again. You will feel like walking again if you'll just hang on. Don't lose heart due season is coming and now watch this give me about 10 more minutes I'll be done he says in due season we'll reap if we faint not if we don't melt or break down and when I saw that verse my mind went to Isaiah chapter 40 verses 28 29 30 and 31 the Bible says this have you not heard and have you not known now, the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, he neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He giveth power to the faint. And to him that has no might, he giveth power to the what? To the faint. And to him that has no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. 
And the young men shall utterly fall. Verse 31. Bring it up for me, please, Jensen. Look at this. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like an eagle. They shall run and not be weary. That word weary there means they shall run and not be exhausted or tired. And they shall walk and not faint. The word faint in that context means to become weary from flight. Now watch this. I'm going to close. Why would God take this majestic, powerful, awe-inspiring bird we call the eagle and talk to us about weariness and fatigue and being renewed. Remember I said you will walk if you faint not. That word faint there means to be weary from flight. I think that God knew when he wrote that, that weary from flight in the eagle, because an eagle does what? An eagle soars, it flies. But let me tell you something about the eagle. There are times that the eagle gets completely worn out and exhausted. And do you realize that every single day an eagle goes through a process that is called preening. P-R-E-E-N-I-N-G. They will go to a rock. Everybody say a rock. And they will take their wing feathers and pass every wing feather through their mouth. Watch now. And as they're doing that, they will breathe. Everybody say breathe. They will breathe on those wing feathers. While that process is happening, I found out that an eagle has a gland in its mouth that produces this oil-like liquid. And as they're passing those wing feathers through their mouth, this oily liquid that somehow God has created in their being, in their makeup, that oily liquid will pass through those feathers and it will waterproof their feathers. And it will keep the eagle from getting water long. When he dives down into the sea or the lake or whatever body of water it may be to get fish. Because see, if the eagle gets waterlogged and bogged down, it can't be effective in doing what God created it to do. Watch now. And as I began to look at that and study that, it dawned on me that there are times in our lives that we need God to breathe on us. There are times in our lives that like the eagle and that oily liquid that passes over those wing feathers. And when you look throughout the Old Testament and look into, even into the New Testament, oil is symbolic of the Holy Spirit being administered to our lives. There are times that if we're not careful, we'll get bogged down with life. We'll get waterlogged, so to speak. And it takes a touch of the Holy Spirit to renew us and to refresh 
bless us and to strengthen us and to help us make it through another day because here is the truth. If we get bogged down with weariness and fatigue, we cannot be the people that God has called us to be. We cannot do what God has created us to do. And when weariness sets in and fatigue sets in, I need God, Brother Turpin, to breathe on me. I need the oil of the Holy Spirit to be poured out on me and give me enough strength to face another day. Pastor Tony, come play. We'll land this. Watch now. And preening is a daily process that the eagle goes through. And they say it takes an eagle an hour a day every day to preen itself. And what does that do, Pastor? It restores his feathers from yesterday's activities. And see, I need the touch of God every day in my life. An hour a day. Because why? Because the eagle, he gets worn down from the day. I thought about that in my mind this week, began to travel through the Bible. And do you remember when Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane to pray before he went to the cross? Going to commune with his father because he, he, just, he, he, was, he was just under such a weight. He knew it was facing him. Remember he took his disciples and then he went a little further into the garden. As he went a little further, he took three disciples, Peter, James, and John with him. And he said, stay here and pray with me. I'm going to go over here and pray, but you stay and you pray with me. And I've never seen this before. And I pulled up a, a different version of the scripture. When it, came, when, it, when it said that Jesus came and he found them asleep. One version said this, that Jesus came and found them sleeping because they were worn out from grieving. I saw that. I about had shirts on my patio this, this week. They were worn out from grieving. And Jesus comes back, and what does he say to them? He finds them sleeping, and he says, Could you not stay awake with me for one hour? For how long did he say? He said an hour, didn't he? He may think I'm grasping. Since I'm preaching, I'm going to keep grasping. An eagle preens every day for what? For an hour. And when I saw that, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and it just reminded me that every single one of us in here, every day, we need spiritual preening. That means that every single day we have to be in his presence in prayer. That every single day, if we're going to be able to face the day that's before us, Brother Beckner, we've got to be in the Word of God feeding our souls. Some of you in here today, you find yourselves worn out. Maybe some of you because you've grieved over loss. And you've grieved over what could have been and what should have been. And you've grieved over people that have left your life way too early. I mean, our state this week has been rocked with grief as we watched two young people so senselessly killed in cold blood on live television. I'm not name dropping here, but I'm pretty good friends with the sports director, Channel 7, Travis Wells, and I've been in contact with him some this week. It's been a, a horrible week for them. Such grief. And then the other night, because it wasn't in Virginia, it's over in Texas, it didn't hit us as hard, but there's a, a, a deputy there filling up his gas tank after 
taking care of a call. And somebody just walks up behind him, execution style, and shoots him in the head, drops him to the ground, and continues to fire away. And a wife and two kids are left behind. I would venture to say at some point she'll be worn out from grieving. I'm telling you today that if we don't let, listen, Jesus, remember in John chapter 20, we looked at his disciples. He's getting ready to leave them. What did the Bible say? He said he breathed on them. And said, receive the Holy Spirit. When you see that word breath or breathe, it's the Hebrew word, the Ruhav God. And it speaks of the life of God, the Spirit of God. You see it in Genesis when God created man from the dust of the earth and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. I need the breath of God every day in my life. I need the oil of the Holy Spirit. What, what did David say? He anointeth my head with oil. My cup runs over. Psalm 92 and 10. I, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. I need God's touch every day. Even pastors are not exempt from it. From weariness. I read something recently that 1,700 pastors a month leave the ministry. If you do the math on that, that means that today... 55 pastors will walk away from the ministry and many of them will cite weariness, fatigue, and burnout. You get tired, I get tired. And what's the remedy, pastor? It's letting God breathe on us again. It's letting the oil of the Holy Spirit be poured over us again. It's us taking our time every day to spiritually preen ourselves and be before the Father in prayer and be before God and be in the Word because you know what it does? It restores us from yesterday's activities. Listen, you can't live today on yesterday's touch. Is anybody in this building awake this morning? You can't live today on what God did yesterday. As good, listen, as good as you may feel when you leave here today on this altar time is over, listen, Monday's coming. You can't live tomorrow based on what happened here. Yeah, it'll help you. It'll strengthen you. But you've got to have a fresh touch of God on Monday morning. You've got to be on your face in prayer on Monday. You've got to be in the Word tomorrow. You can't live on what we had today. You need a fresh touch of God to breathe on you. And I close with this. Not only does that eagle renew himself every day, it's amazing that God would make that comparison. But he goes through seasons of renewal. As I studied this out, I found out that an eagle's feathers at some point in their lives will begin to wear out. And when their feathers begin to wear out, they'll begin to make this whistling noise so that it gives them away to their prey. You know, an eagle's a hunting bird. And when he's swooping down to make a kill or make a catch, when his feathers are worn out, they make this whistling sound, and the enemy knows he's coming, and it gets away. I'm telling you, when you're worn out, you can't fight the enemy because he's coming to fight. You hear me? You cannot fight the enemy when you're worn out. And I'm telling you, the time will come. The devil's going to show up. The roaring lion Peter talks about, he's going to show up. And if you're tired and you're exhausted and you've not preened yourself spiritually, listen, it's okay if you're tired and exhausted, but in the midst of your fatigue, you've got to keep yourself spiritually. You've got to keep yourself spiritually sound. His feathers will make this whistling noise. And they say that he will fly as high and as close to the sun, the S-U-N. Uh, if, if, if you don't have to be real intelligent this morning to see where I'm going with some of this. And he will lay himself on a rock. 
And he'll go through this month, several month long process of plucking out every one of his 7,000 feathers. What happens when he begins to wear out is that his, his beak is not as sharp as it used to be and calcifications forming on it. His talons aren't nearly as sharp as they used to be. So he's not effective. You know why? Because he's worn out. There's a process of renewal. I hope the next time you read Isaiah 40, you read that verse, you'll have a whole new revelation of it. And he's worn out. And he goes through this process of plucking his feathers out. And there he stands after that that several month long process and it's painful it's painful but the eagle understands and there's something in that eagle's mind that, that, that lets him know it's not about the pain it's about the progress that's coming from the pain God I'm going to preach here in a minute and it's past 12 o'clock by the way so don't worry about it just hold tight I've got permission from a several folks to pastor preach as long as you want and they're older than you and older than me so you've got to listen so sit still and there he stands clean, naked, and fresh, no feathers. And they say that he will lay on the rock in the sun. And for the next, watch this, the next 40 days, the next 40 days, he'll lay on that rock in the sun. His feathers will start growing back again. While he's while he's there sitting in the sun on the rock. During that 40-day process, he's sharpening his beak on the rock. He's sharpening his talons on the rock. And what he understands is that after this 40-day period, this renewal, this re-energizing, it's preparing him and it's getting him ready and it's, it's refreshing him and energizing him for the next season and phase of his life. And if, you, if I had time, I'd take you all through Scripture and show you this thing. Now, I'm not one of them big, every, everything is not a Bible number, everything's not spiritual. But 40 is significant in Scripture. It rained on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And at the end of that 40 day and 40 night period, the earth was made new again. If I had time, I'd tell you that Jesus went to the wilderness for how many days? For 40 days. And after a 40 day time of testing and trial that he went through, Jesus came out of that wilderness full of the power of the Spirit of God and he launched his public ministry. If I had time, I'd tell you that Moses spent 40 years in Egypt and 40 years in the wilderness. And by the time he was done, he was leading 2 million people out across the Red Sea. Here's what I'm trying to tell you this morning. You may be in a place and it feels like you are worn out. God, I feel the Holy Ghost right here. It feels like you can't take another step. The Holy Spirit whispered to me this week to tell some of you the place you find yourselves in, it is not meant to wear you out. It is not meant to break you down. It is not meant to cause you to quit. The Holy Spirit just wants somebody to know in this place today, God has you in a spot, and I know it may feel hard, and I know it may be rough. You're going, Pastor, I'm so tired, and I'm so worn out. The Holy Ghost sent me by to tell you today, He's simply taking you through a process of renewal, and when it's all said and done, and the dust settles, the Holy Spirit wants me 
to tell you, you're going to be ready for the next place that God has for you. You're going to be ready for the next season of life that God has for you. Fade that weight upon the Lord. I want to tell somebody, draw as close to the S-O-N as you can during this time. Throw yourself on the chief cornerstone, the rock Jesus Christ, because on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Get as close to him as you can, and I promise he'll breathe on you. He'll renew you. He'll strengthen you, and he'll touch you. There is a new day that is dawning. There is a new season that is coming. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, stand on your feet and give the Lord praise today.